0: Everyone seems to be getting married. On my way to weddings, I read these dope Atlantic Monthly articles about how nobody is. Jenny and I fall in love with attending weddings. When's the next one, she asks. Please be my plus one, I say. I would love to attend with you. She wears the same black dress, and I wear the same Chinese suit and Italian tie. The brides are so beautiful. There are two kinds of wedding dresses, princess and not. Men aren't sure what their brides will be until they're revealed, and by then it's too late. Couples stand on makeshift altars, shedding nuptial jitters, the unusual combination of unease and boredom, their wide, constant smiles earning them the prize of sexual redemption. Whoever they hurt before, whoever they abandoned yesterday, now, in the name of God and the state of New York, it's all good. Sometimes God doesn't show up. Amateur service leaders make jokes about the power vested in them by the internet. I want to drown them as the swan melts. Usually I'm Jenny's plus one, but there's one where she's mine. An Israeli accountant weds a Persian chemical engineer. I met this accountant in a summer school gym class where we bonded over what losers we were for failing gym. I still hear her asking, what's the girl version of the squat thrust, and will I still pass if I can't do it? She talked about leaving Queens and moving to Manhattan, but this Persian engineer she's marrying lives far out enough in Queens that I know this girl, when she gets back from her honeymoon in Puerto Vallarta, will get lost in Queens forever. Jenny and I sit at table 12 with people we don't know. We discuss the difference between Iranians and Persians. There are many things I don't know about Iran. There are nearly 80 million people in the country. It snows there. I Google Iran. Iran. That's how bored I am at this wedding. And I discover I've already slept with not only the bride, but all of her bridesmaids and much of the groom's immediate family too, except for the groom's sister, whom I'm worried about as she totters past me in the tight, carnation-colored dress, more the condensed milk than the flower. When she looks at me and her eyes say, take me, I'm the only one left, I realize that I am, more than anything else I may be, a fucker of brides. And it's not like this gets me a speech— Now we'd like to bring up a young man who knew Esther a very long time ago. Esther and this man both failed gym. In college, Esther and this man did sit-ups together. No, that never happens. Esther only knows one man now, and he's the man he best remembers. The way his baby tells the story? Well, that's what the story is. You don't catch a bride's name at a wedding, even though it's written everywhere. (laughs) Christina Goldberg, Tiffany Solowitz, Susie Greenberg. I'm invited to Krista Kaplan's wedding and I also chip in for the office gift. So beautiful is the name I give to each bride. It's so often how brides are addressed and defined by friends and family passing right by them. So beautifuls are dark, sharp, toned, young, head-on into careers with defined triceps, well socialized. So Beautiful's diamond laid hairpiece, her pastel heels placed casually atop a pale blue hope chest. She has no time to think. How lucky to be a bride with no time for reflection. All of the things she must do to get ready. All of the women hounding her. A private moment scheduled. Her mother driving her nuts. She is touched, touched up, and pressed to be scrolled by on feeds. You've got to look good for the big day. Those weeks when I know there'll be a weekend wedding, I take it easy on the calorie consumption. Medium-sized bananas and apples, no fries. I sit at table 12, or its buffet-style equivalent. I bring along sedatives, maybe a joint. Not that I need anything to aid my munchies, because love makes me hungry, and there's nothing I won't swallow come wedding time. After they are defined as man and wife and the celebrants file out into the cocktail area, I rush ahead so I can gulp down my first palmfuls of nuts from the snifters atop the open bars. Oriental mix, candied walnut mix, honey roasted clusters, sesame sticks, and wasabi peas. At cocktail hour, I scout the waiters and their trays of spring rolls and quarter-sized pizza bites costing Dad 7 50 a pop. I dip those pies in chili sauce, drown them in chili sauce, drown the caramelized onion mini toast in the cocktail sauce that comes with the mini skewers of gulf shrimp, the skewers of non-gulf shrimp, the regular fries, the seasoned fries, the sweet potato fries, and turkey burger sliders which I dip in stone ground mustard, ranch, ketchup, and round back again to the chili sauce. Satiated, stuffed, unable to swallow anything else, I'm just getting started. I swallow So Beautiful's white almonds, her cocktail hour Anthony Braxton jazz selection, Cajun truffle fries dipped in Creole mustard, Dijon ranch, sriracha veggie spring roll chili sauce, and I prepare myself for the main course sides, the haricot verts in buttery shallot reductions, strange mushrooms, curried cashews, courtesy of Bethany Katz and Cordelia Edelstein. So sad her nanny, Bunny Edelstein, couldn't be with us today. I chew fresh green leaves, seasonal leaves, tricolored leaves, wild perennial garden leaves, and a light balsamic vinaigrette. Many of the green leaves of Jenny's salad. She doesn't like plum tomatoes, so I get those too because no beefsteak tomato has ever been served at any wedding we've attended. And I never say no to more pink sea salt, more freshly cracked black pepper more fresh parmesan over my 14 tubes of handmade pasta i swallow one of jenny's friends salads and she can't digest foliage in a tight dress i break apart and lovingly dip everyone's dinner rolls in my oily bubbles of warm vinaigrette or spicy veggie chili sauce but the flatbread slathered in butter those i garnish with dried cranberries Wives yell at their texting. Husbands, stop texting. Will you please stop texting? Stop texting. Who are you texting anyway? Everyone you know is here, even your mistress. Me, I've got nothing to say. There's no salmon I won't finish. My salmon, Jenny's salmon, her camp friend's salmon, her ex-ex-boyfriend's salmon, and aunt's salmon, a mysterious piece of salmon, traditional patatas bravas dipped in salmon juice, ketchup, mustard, and peanut Thai veggie spring roll sauce. Uh, During the speeches, I run out of patience and I run out of food. Speeches lovingly and tearfully delivered by mothers and fathers or stepmothers and stepfathers who, and really it's been said so many times this weekend already, but it can't be said enough, have been with the family since the birth of divorce and who are more like blood than some of the true blood who yawn and seethe during their speeches. Speeches by close friends of the family, bunnies who held on to make it to this day, current cancers, cancers that won, cancers that are winning, cancers that can still be beat, Unable to upwell with emotion any longer, I excuse myself from table 12. I pretend my vibrating phone is ringing with an urgent business call, point to it with a grimace as if to say, money never sleeps, kid. I walk out of the hall and into the city. I stand out in the night lights of the Avenue of the Americas or Times Square Broadway. I take a few puffs of my joint as the tourists from the American interior stroll by, stroll by, swinging their Disney bags and starving for heroes. I return to the lobby to use the bathroom. I urinate, wash my hands thoroughly from the faucet the attendant turns on for me, and I accept his proffered cloth napkin to dry my hands and then deposit the napkin in his waist-high wicker basket. I am comforted by the idea I haven't wasted paper, but I will waste water when this barely used cloth napkin is washed. I use some lotion, maybe St. Ives, maybe notre Neutrogena. I'm stoned, so maybe that's why I think the attendant resembles Michael Mann's dad, because he's the first black man I've spoken to since Michael's wake, the father of my feathered brain co-worker who asked me to sign Michael's memory book, who, like me, couldn't reach the toilet bowl when he pissed. The attendant, who I now realize isn't Michael Mann's dad, says my dress shoes are sharp. I thank him. He is a human being. He is standing in front of me, I ask him an innocent question—the Giants, the Knicks, maybe the Rangers—we start a coattails conversation. Almost immediately, I have no idea what this man is saying, so I say, yeah, 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 eyeing the golden cinnamons on his sink ledge, the skin bracer, the D&G cool blue, and the jacar, wondering which scent I might want to take back with me to table 12 to neutralize the scents I've introduced onto my person since excusing myself from the table for the business call. I see mouthwash on the sink counter. I realize that the attendant's way of talking is a lot like what I sound like when I'm gargling mouthwash. He speaks. I answer, yeah, 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 yeah. And I ask him for mouthwash to do some gargling of my own. Then I ask him for a Newport 100, put it in my suit jacket's inner pocket. I don't really care if he thinks Bonds deserves the Hall of Fame. It makes no difference to me if he thinks Spike should cool it on the sidelines at the garden. I drop three or four single-dollar bills into his tip jar, another kind of wicker basket, on the ledge next to combs soaking in barbicide. White devil is nothing if not an accurate tipper, so in order to redeem myself for not paying attention to anything this man said, I overtip. At weddings, surrounded by so many celebrants going for broke, money seems to have a negative value, or no value at all. At least to me, if not to this man who dug my sharp shoes, the man I choose not to suffer. I go all by myself to Krista's wedding, Mr. Fucker Brides plus Nobody. I hang with other co-workers and we all do some dry heave networking after our 35th Heineken's. And what the hell am I doing here? What delusion brought me to this yeasty catering hall? How is it possible for me to attend Krista's wedding with raw memories of our broken heart? It shows me nothing but the monster in my own. I exercise it very well. The monster grows stronger the more I repeat the same actions. Who is pain for? Some version of me that takes it. A version of me I'd like to think is an enduring self. But I am not an enduring self. That version of me only exists when I place myself in situations which promise to bring me pain. Situations I think I belong in. If I just let myself be happy, this enduring self gets up and walks away. So much for routines. During the dancing, Krista approaches me in her simple gown, her veil like mosquito netting, and I'm the mosquito. She steals me away from one of her buzzing bridesmaids in order to tell tell me she doesn't think that I'm weird. She's really sorry for what happened and she still has opinions on my romantic possibilities, and also to warn me to cease engaging her bridesmaid, whom she thinks pesty and obscene, a stand-up compromise from Danny's side of the family. Krista swears to me, even at this event, her wedding to another man, she still goes on praising her version of my romantic life, that I am not the epic lover I so pretend to be, the lover of many women, but I am the lyrical lover of my girlfriend, Jenny, with the My Little Pony keychain. I am the great, careful lover of one other soul. Any soul, that is, other than Christa's. That's cool, I say. Where are you going on your honeymoon? Rome. You look happy. That's funny. What's funny? Rome? No, the word happy. You're one of the happiest people I know, Christa says, even though you're always acting miserable around me. That's funny, I say, Rome. I should go there, or I should go to St. Kitts and throw myself in Mount Misery. Go to Rome Rome instead, Krista says. I'll go to Rome, I say, after you leave. It's time for another wedding. Jenny and I dance all night, do the bookends on cue. We dance signed, sealed, delivered, and point to each other on the yours. We dance to new hits. We dance you're the first, the last, my everything. We admit our love is still doomed, our relationship still broken. We lie together on the bed in pieces, waiting for the sacred light, broken apart and not even bothering to snap ourselves back together. When we desire, all we desire is one drag, long arms to strangle the guilt. We need more from our relationships, and in our understanding of relationships, more includes all of this. I'm really going to miss you, Jenny says. I'm right here. You're the only one who knows where to go next. You always know where to go next. I know. I know where to go next, I say. There's that new bar over on 6th that's like a block from here, or there's that one in the 20s between 2nd and 3rd that we love. That you love, Jenny says. There's so many places we could go next. We could go to the after-wedding party bar. We could crash the after-party after-party at the Marriott Marquis. We could walk between the skyscrapers. We could walk down by the river. How am I going to go how am I going to know where to go next without you Jenny asks A gentleman I remember is someone who can play the accordion but doesn't I'm right here I say without you Jenny how will I ever know the band is coming back out I count on you for endings you know that the boys are reprising the riff Coffee and a selection of herbal teas Blueberries, raspberries, blackberries, strawberries, red grapes, currants, green grapes, artisanal butterfingers, sparkling grapefruit slices, non sprinkled like rose petals over a marriage bed, ginger snaps, sweetest fish, Norwegian bears, Finlandia peppermints. Wow, look at the cake tubs and also tubes of M&M's and M&M bark, torpedoes loaded with licorice nibs and twists, megaton bombs of double-dipped toffee caramels, chocolate cherries, cashew orphans, cannons of peanut brittle and pecan patties, doggy bags. Take your treats home. Never forget us. Doggy bags for treats announcing the new couple's name, the June dateline with Euro periods separating month, year, and day. Before packing up for the evening, I turn to Jenny and tell her some of my observations, my smart and funny observations, how this wedding seems different from all the other weddings, because tonight the sorbet had a powerful, minty taste. That intermezzo was a real palate cleanser. And Jenny yawns. Inspiration floods her mouth. She yawns more and more whenever I speak. And each time, are deeper, sleepier yawns. Remember that time, Jenny says, I told you not to meet another me? because that would just be me and it would suck for me. Yeah. Well, Jenny says, yawning, I think I'm another me now. Look at that. And the new me doesn't want you anymore. I need to turn Jenny's yawning into something positive. The way a parent smells its baby shit is sweet. Go to hell, Jenny yawns in my face. Hell. Now. When Jenny yawns, and that's a good deal of what I see her do these days, it doesn't mean she's sleepy. And it doesn't mean I'm making her bored. But it also doesn't mean more believable excuses. Like, it's hot in this room. It's been such a late night and maybe yawning is her allergic reaction to decaf coffee. The way NyQuil jacks her up. She's yawning because that's just how she is. I know that. She yawns. No, none of that is what yawning means. Maybe, as it is said, yawning is a silent scream for coffee. Or maybe, like Jack thought, a kitty yawns because she realizes there's nothing to do. Maybe yawning means you are so very interesting to me I cannot bear to concentrate on what you say. Yawning means I love you oh so very much because around you I feel safe. And then I yawn, not from boredom, rehearsed love or sleepy nearness, instead a fear of cold causes my yawn, cold stated as a question. If I am forced to, how will I ever face the world with wakefulness, with open eyes and a closed mouth, when this woman is no longer yawning at me everywhere I speak? That question charms me with its jennitude. There is little left to do at the end of the night, but yawn and yawn again.